There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. Femba can go to hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the hour of badass power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. One, two, three, four. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And we're all here with you for the next hour talking about all the things that caught our attention in the news this week. Introducing you to the founder of our favourite ever named charity, Lady Garden. And of course, talking about your problems in our badass balls ups. But starting off, we are looking at the news and... It's a fun, positive, happy week this week because <laughs> Harry and Meghan got engaged. Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> oh, I have wa- I've watched the interview. I'm not even kidding. Three, four times. I've loved yeah. it. Um, so I was just... I, do you know what? Other people's weddings, generally my friends' weddings, I'm known for being a bit of a wedding party pooper. I just don't really get into them. I love her royal wedding. (laughs) It's less about that for me. It's like she is such a badass princess. She's had an incredible career. She's already doing like all the stuff that the royals do, like all the work with the UN. She's already doing that stuff. And she's three years older. So Harry is a toy boy. I'm like, she has got all all the goals. And so just in case you've had your head buried in the sand for the last week, this is, of course, the news that Prince Harry has got engaged to actor Meghan Markle. And uh, they've given a ridiculous cute interview to the BBC where they were just delightful and what I thought was so interesting about that interview she talked more than he did way more now what do you think of it are you happy for them yeah I I had all the all the feels me and all the girls were (laughs) messaging and tweeting and sharing relationship goal photos (laughs) and we even planned potentially taking the day off in May and going to watch the (laughs) wedding but what what, you know made me really happy was just seeing two people in love regardless of who they are two people in love looking at each other thinking you are the best thing since sliced bread is just just it makes you happy it's hard to not be happy everything else aside so just watching them and also watching the outtakes of their conversation and that banter it was like oh I want that relationship <laughs> I don't want all of the other stuff but I want that, that bit of the relationship oh, they're still technically in the honeymoon phase they've only been together like a year and a half but you know it's all it's all fun now and of course the other thing is she is of course the first black woman to marry into the royal family although well, I was no. watching apparently not no. this is true isn't it now yeah, yeah Queen Charlotte so Queen Charlotte Sophia um, was the official first black woman in, in the royal family uh, and we were taught that in school actually she's she was called the black princess and she was um african portuguese descent so Meghan markle tech technically is is the first of, the, of this generation uh, <laughs> that, that we know that we know about and that equally is is another reason why me and all my girlfriends said you know let's take the day off and and, and go up because yeah, there's a there's a royal family that looks like us. There's a woman, you know, her, her mother has dreads. You know, her mother, she grew up in Compton. You know, they it can be sugar-coated in any way that you like. But for me, she's as down to earth as my friend, you know, that lives next door. And so there's a, there's a familiarity there, which I haven't seen from the royal family ever. 
Um, so I'm really pleased about that. What's the story of her writing to Fairy when she was 11? Mm-hmm. So when she was 11 years old, I mean, this is one of the reasons that I love Meghan Markle is because she is actually a proper activist and has been an activist her whole life. It's yeah. not like she joined the rules and was like, I'm going to support some charities. Yeah. She has been an activist. Even at the age of 11, when she wrote to Fairy's Washing Up Liquid Company to complain, to, to complain about the fact that all their adverts were targeted at mothers just at mothers and why could it not be parents or people wow why was it just women who were doing the washing up yeah <sighs> love her already. my kind of woman and they changed it as a result of, of her her letter so they changed the advert to people so you know I, I i was wondering the other day because i had lots of time on my hands did her mother know at that point that her daughter had some kind of activist thing because it's not it's you know kids at 11 don't write to fairy because they think the advert's wrong some do um, we get articles every now and then saying, you know, like the kid that wrote to Bino. Um, but I, I think it, it displays a, a desire to help people and change things at the, from that age. It, you know, you must be destined to do something interesting with your life. You are. And I just, I really loved that she took charge of that interview, that she's clearly so comfortable. Mm. She's so happy. And I just think, you know, I'm not the world's biggest royalist, but I definitely have a soft spot for Harry. He's a oh, fellow ginger. I and I love him <laughs> even more now that he wants to get married to this just incredible badass, badass woman. Mm. And I he agree. is man enough to have a woman like that in his life and mm. totally respect, honour and love her. Yeah. Go, love Harry. Her. Yeah. Speaking of men who are man enough and men who are not man enough, <laughs> our second story this week. Matt, what is it? Oh, my life. I had to tweet that at that guy this week. That um, guy? Because he came. Just to what, that guy. Which guy are we talking about? Oh, the President of the United States of America. <laughs> Trumpity Trump Trump. Mm. Um, that one. From Trumpington. Yeah. <laughs> Land of the Trump people. Um, he tweeted uh, our Prime Minister, Theresa May, um, over the his post-it. So he posted some videos from Britain First this week. He retweeted some vi- videos from Britain First, which ultimately is, you know, backing and inciting uh, Islamophobia, it's racist it's ridiculous content it's something that no one in their right mind would retweet. Britain First if you haven't seen them and please do not google it because I don't want you to, you don't need to go there it's a ridiculous, racist, bizarre organisation. Yeah so he's got he, a Twitter you know, account. That's basically them. The sort of thing that any anyone any anyone that believe that that leads a country, as a sane, rational, normal country, should not be tweeting or, or anyone. He he did anyway. Um, Theresa May rightly said it's the wrong thing to do. She could have said more. I feel like she should have gone gangster on him. But anyway, <laughs> by the by, uh, he then responded and said, you know, I'm you know. We're we're fine in the US. You look after your own business or whatever. It was just him we got all defensive because he knew he looked like an idiot. Exactly. But so, firstly, he added the wrong Theresa May. <laughs> I love it. And then, I, but I I did. I felt protective of our PM did you? because she's not going to come back hood and be like, look, no, but get, I, get my name out your mouth. She's not going to say that. Of course she's not. And I felt like I just I wanted to the women to fight for her. So I tweeted, you know, because. Love you, T. Yeah. I got your back, T. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was just I've, I've got your back. This this guy can't just come for you, and and no one does anything about it. And but I know she, she's probably like, I'm running the UK. I, yeah. I'm busy. I think she was just but, like, oh, there's that Twitter troll again. But I, no, Sadiq <laughs> Khan. When when Trump said things over the terrorist attack, Sadiq Khan was like, look we have got things under control you mind your own business and I just wanted her to you know a bit more feist she could have no I think she could have made a side comment no she could have leaked a comment no I just I hate that he is he's got in all of his narcissist narcissistic horrid views and you can't engage with a man like that you can't engage with a man and also she's the PM like she's woman up lady she is the PM she should be able to like should be able to take it. I don't think she was sitting there crying in fairness to Theresa May. But also, like, it's too little too late, Theresa, right? This is what's happened. You haven't critiqued him at any other point when he's done hundreds and thousands of really inappropriate and unnice things. Unnice is not a word, but you know what I mean. Unnice things. She hasn't critiqued him at any other point. She's been there going softly, softly, softly in the hopes of has creating she been this softly? relationship. No, yeah, I think she's she just has. not fueling the fire. I don't, you just can't respond to somebody like that. She's doing the best thing, 
which is just to not engage. There's nothing she can say. There's nothing that will add to it. She'll just get criticised. You best just... When people are like that, he's just a narcissistic, you know trolling bully. happened behind the scenes? She called him and she gave him a right smack down. Yeah, maybe yeah, she did. Yeah, but of course she maybe didn't. Maybe she did. Of course she didn't. Uh, our final story this week. Emma, tell us what is it about? Well, it's about... People are calling for an illustration that they said was disgusting because it features a woman's body hair. So this illustrator called Tyler Fedder, she posted a self-portrait on Instagram last week which showed herself with unshaven legs and armpits. And basically loads of people just kicked off about this. And I, I feel like there's been lots more on social media about women just being very like open about their body hair. And there was an article in The Guardian this week about someone talking about how long it... Um, actually, I don't think it was in The Guardian. Talking about how long they spend every week managing their facial and body hair. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I'd like so female body hair to me is a completely bizarre thing. Like, why do we even care? Why do we even care? I don't know, but I kind of do. Do you? Yeah, I, do. I have. So I have on my chin like one hair that appears like once a month, and it's really nasty and bristly, and that I pluck. But the rest of the time, I kind of forget to shave my legs. I do sometimes forget to shave my armpits. I've never done anything to my arms. The only thing that I do try and control with regularity is my eyebrows because otherwise they are Einstein-like in their weirdness. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But like, why is it, why are we saying that, oh, why are we saying that an illustrator, for God's sakes, can't show a self-portrait with some body hair? Why? Oh, we still have a long way to go, but the thing is, much as I'd love to be a feminist about this, I do like to remove body hair. Ditto. I'm like you, Harriet. I have this like random hair that appears out of my chin, and like just once a year, like something grows overnight, and I'm like, that is not staying on my face. <laughs> so I have twelve of those, and I pluck them every day, and I really don't care. Uh, so again, paint what you like. Leave the arm hair. If you're cool with the bush rock with it you know if you're cool with underarm hair as an individual rock with it personally I like it all gone Do gone you? even Le- a Hollywood yeah so I laser I, I had laser hair removal so I have a full Hollywood Do underarms you? done yep stomach line now done. I've got a theory yeah I've got a theory that if you remove all your hair down there affects your orgasms see you, you see, you see there's that whole hair. generation of women I go and get my bikini wet so I'm like what's everybody having done Just, I don't want to be the I don't want to be the old one who's you know not not trimmed like everybody else not that I'm seeing everybody naked but I want to know what the kids are doing and they're always like everyone's having a Hollywood and I'm like I've had those Hollywoods they affect your orgasms I mean you say this you say this we had we took a little poll before this and <laughs> a little, came out, little being Emma, the word you two disagree <laughs> with me Emma came and out in the minority Emma came out in the minority know, but you do. tell us what do you think does having a Hollywood affect your orgasms better or worse <laughs> tweet us that what do you think about Harry and Meghan and what would you do to Trump tell us on Twitter at Badass Women's Hour HR at Badass Women's Hour come talk to us because we love it and we'll be keeping the conversation going in our next section because we are meeting the amazing Mika Simmons the founder of the Lady garden campaign which is all about I mean it's all about loving your bush really isn't it that's the theme of today <laughs> um, so we're going to be talking to her about well probably a bit about this and lots of other stuff coming up next across the UK online and on DAB <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio she'll get you talking <laughs> Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And this week we're also super delighted to have founder of the fabulously named Lady Garden Campaign, Mika Simmons in the studio. Hi guys. Hi. Thanks for having me on. (laughs) So Mika, for anyone who doesn't know what the Lady Garden Campaign is, hasn't seen the posters, hasn't seen it on Instagram, tell us a little bit about it. It's an awareness campaign. um, raising awareness for gynecological cancers. So the five main ones are cervical, ovarian, endometrial, vulva and womb cancer. Wow, and I probably would have named two of those. Yeah. Thanks. yeah. Um, Why is that? Why are we so unaware of them? Well, I think cervical cancers had a lot of um, press and awareness and, and they're doing really well with it in terms of treatment. But your cervix is on the inside of the body and the areas, I think, just as human beings, well, I'll talk about the British women. Yeah. We don't really understand our bodies that well. So we don't, unless you're having a baby and then you might learn a little bit about your womb, 
we just don't tend to think about our inner bodies, do we? I mean, I, I think it's no, a basic fact. So I know we're jumping ahead, but so how do you, when you have a smear test, that is a test for cervical cancer. Yeah. How how would you find out about these other cancers? What what is the process? Um, well, they're still working on that. There's a really amazing charity called the Eva Pill that put all their funding into screening, mm-hmm. and they. Um, blood tests so there's a ca125 which is an ovarian cancer test um there's an ec4h i think it's called which is another one but does and your doctor automatically do these like at a certain point when you go for a wellman checkup no. you know how do how how would you come across the, the fact that you've got these cancers i think if you've got a doctor that does a wellwoman checkup you're really 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 <laughs> lucky <laughs> i mean we've discussed uh, it before i've I was got an, pay for yeah, one. yeah yeah you need to go and see someone and get that done and yes then they would do it for you but you'd have to pay for it mm. and they're quite expensive the tests yeah. um i'm you know desperately unlucky because i lost my mum to ovarian cancer mm. but if i ask my gp they will do those tests for me no matter how even if i had one six months before if i've got recurring symptoms then they'll make me make sure I get the test. Okay. But if you haven't had that history in your family, then you... I think, you know, one of the things that the campaign, the Lady Garden campaign, tries to encourage women to do is to really fight with their doctors to get their needs met because, you know, doctors are meant to be there to diagnose, not treat people once they're unwell. And, you know, the symptoms of gynae cancers are... They're very varied and they can uh, reflect other things like you know IBS and so it's confusing for the doctors and I think if you're really scared you have to say to your doctor and you have to go back again and say look I really want to have this test it will reassure me and I think doctors are starting to understand stress better Mm. so I think they understand that if you're going to get stressed by not having the test then they will do it for you. Okay so let's go back what are the five cancers again so we've got uh, cervical cancer which they track through a smear test typically we've then got ovarian cancer which is a blood test. So the other four ovarian endometrial vulva and womb are all tested by blood tests which are being worked on they're not perfect yet the CA125 is for ovarian and then, as I mentioned, other charities are developing screening. They're trying to work a, work out a mammogram, mm-hmm. so oh, a version cool. of a mammogram for you know your your pelvic area. Yeah. One of the difficulties is oh, that, that just made me wince slightly. Well, I just got tested. I had my blood tests and um, and had a, an internal scan. You know, when they put the the um, I don't know what they're called. It's they, like a rod, oh, isn't it? They they probe. Yeah. Is it a yeah. camera? Yeah. Uh, no. no, they no, can see on the screen. Oh, a wand. They call yeah, it a wand. wand. I wish it was a wand. (laughs) (laughs) It might have been a nicer experience. Um, But no, it's definitely not a wand. It's that, but it may be called it. Um, But but it shows on the screen and they can see if there's anything going on, any cysts or anything that looks, you know, like it's malfunctioning. Um, But that's an internal scan. They're also trying to get a kind of, I guess, an MRI or an X-ray type machine like a mammogram. Um, but I don't. I don't think that. I don't. As far as I understand it, they're not making that much progress. And and one of the issues with these internal, uh, visceral organs in our bodies is that they change a lot. Mm. And and one of the reasons we're so excited about doing the campaign, is because it, obviously on an individual level it encourages women to go and be more responsible for themselves. But we're also pushing the healthcare practitioners to uh, look further into why these cancers aren't being treated properly. And I was told recently that that ovarian cancer, they're starting to think that it's always starting in your enetrium. So so my point is is they don't really understand it yet. They don't understand it yet. Mm. And that's a major issue. So how can you create a scan for your pelvis if you don't quite know what you're looking for until it's too late? which is the issue with the other cancers. Not not so much cervical, but the issue with the other cancers is they are getting diagnosed at stage four. This makes me so angry. I don't know how many times I need to say we can put a man on the moon, but you cannot figure out the inner workings of, of, of my body. Well, I think that's true, but I, you know, there are lots of other cancers where they have similar problems. So, you know, um, pancreatic is certainly one which can only be diagnosed very, very late stage because the funding, the research the knowledge that we have is not where it could be and I have many years ago I went to see a doctor and um, he had failed to recognise ovarian cancer early enough in a woman who had then died and he said well actually that was the biggest lesson for him because then he became obsessive about trying to diagnose it so he's literally sending all his patients for testing as soon as mm-hmm. he could 
but there are already limited resources, right? No, I'm sorry. We can breed sheep. People are spending time figuring out how to make sheep from dust. So if they can figure out how to make sheep from nothing, they can figure out my body is here right now in the present tense. And, you know, yes, it changes. But if you can create some sheep out of out of nothing, you can figure it out. It's, it's where people want to spend their time. And I think this is why the campaign is important to say, actually, get on with it. So Rika, tell us, how did you get involved in creating Lady Garden? Where did it come from? So, as I just mentioned, my mum died of ovarian cancer. It was a long time ago. I was 26 when she was diagnosed, and I nursed her for nine months, um, and she didn't make it. I was 27 when she passed away, and I suppose it's a really weird thing in terms of making things happen in your life. I'd always had an idea in my head that I wanted to do something around awareness, but I didn't have a platform to do it, and I didn't really know how to start. Um... And then it just, I mean, amazing synchronicity. My next door neighbour was doing her PhD in breast cancer and actually one of the drugs that she developed in her PhD is now used. I mean, wow. that, she's, she is a phenomenal woman, Dr Susanna Banerjee, who we're funding. Amazing. She is really. So we made friends on the stairs um, <laughs> and she, I told her about my mum and she said, I think that's where I want to end up, working in gynaecological cancers. Mm-hmm. And then, um, bless her, I mean, when she's now moved out, she's had a really gorgeous little baby, but I used to knock on her door about once every three months going, I've got this going on, do you think I've got cancer? <laughs> <laughs> um, but then one day she knocked on my door for help and she said, I've been made the head of oncology for gynaecological cancers at the Royal Marsden. Amazing. Wow. Which for a woman of her age was a phenomenal thing. For a woman, mm-hmm. there's a lot of men actually still yeah. running the show. So, mm-hmm. um, And she asked me to do some fundraising for her. And I... You know, I I just knew immediately that I wasn't the person to do the fundraisings. But I I had women in my life who are incredible powerhouses who I'd also known had had a personal experience with a gynaecological cancer. And I went to them and said, can you help do the fundraising? And said, and I'd also like to do an awareness campaign. And they all immediately said yes. So, you know, it's such tragedy that we've come together, but it is phenomenal. So... Mm. Um, two women, Tamara and Claire Beckwith, had lost their mum to endometrial just yeah. just a year before. Chloe Delavine has had precancerous cervical cells. Josephine Daniel had lost her mummy just recently as well. Um, so, so we kind of just I drew on women that I knew would be utterly committed to what we wanted to do. And I mean, they're real. Jenny Halpin, who also has had precancerous cervical cells, our first meeting we're sat around a table. And I, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. it. The call to arms from those women, it completely blew me away. I was like, this is what I'd like to do. They said, yes, we'd like to do it too. And in our first meeting, it kind of got projected into the future about how we were going to pull it together um, in a way that I could never have done on my own. And how long have you been doing Lady Garden now then? When did you set up? So we got together the first time ever in 2013. We launched with a private fundraising event in 14 just to get some money to get, you know, to get going Mm -hmm. and then the first campaign was September 2015 for Gynecological Awareness Month and how much have you raised so far? Uh, we've given the Royal Marsden £750,000 wow yeah which was our target for three years and we've hit our target basically but we're not going to (laughs) stop what's coming next? what's the next thing for you? Uh, well, we just had the gala, which was amazing. We do that with CRUK, and we raised three hundred sixty thousand pounds, which is wow. a phenomenal amount. It was really fun as well. We had Mel C playing, so we had ultimate, <laughs> ultimate girl. Last year we had James Blunt, so the ultimate like Casanova. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and this year I got my friend Mel to play, and. Um, she asked us to go back and do backing vocals on the stage. I was too shy to go up, but Chloe and Suki and some of the other girls went up on stage. Um, so we've just done that, and that was amazing. And now we've got a bit of a break. And our next, what's exciting for me is our next uh, fundraiser is The Run, mm-hmm. which is in the spring of next year. And it's the only public event. So we have the campaign, which is public, but The Run is public. So all women from everywhere can get how involved far in it. it. I like yeah. a run. How far is it? It's either the end of May or the beginning of June. No, no, how yeah. far? How <laughs> Well, last year we did a five and a ten k. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Would you? Yeah, yeah. 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 definitely. We'll do ten k. That would be good. We were just like as well. Together. Get our training in. Yeah. We're in. Yeah. And if people want to find out about it, where can they find out more, Mika? 
uh, the run or the the campaign, the campaign or, in general. <laughs> so we we're always kind of recruiting lady garden campaigners, and you can just sign up for our newsletter via the website. And then Which anything is, we're doing, www.gynecancerfund.com. Brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. So that's a little bit about Lady Garden. We're going to be talking. I think we'll talk about it a bit more in our next section because our next section is our badass balls up. So we try and solve your problems, bring our wisdom to them. Mika, you can hang around for that and give us some wisdom. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> and we are going to be talking about what to do when you're dating somebody who's separated. Um, and Christmas alone, good idea. Can you do it? What should you be doing? Stay tuned for that. Coming up with the Badass Women's Hour next. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass hit on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter. I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And this week in the studio, we still have the amazing Mika Simmons of the Lady Garden Woo! Campaign. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> So it's that time of our show where we try and put our wisdom, true, pure, we're getting so good at these now. Mm. We are getting really good at this now. To your problems, we try and answer your problems. So first up this week, uh, this comes from Crystal via Instagram, and she says, "I'm currently dating a man who has been separated from his wife for about eight months now." I was aware of the situation when we started dating, and he's very open about the whole thing, including the divorce date. Wow. Which should be within the next six months if all goes well. I never thought too much about it, but last week his wife got in touch with me on Facebook. Mm. No, we have mm. never met in person before. She warned me off say she warned me off saying that things are not quite as I seem to believe and the two of them are trying to make things work for the sake of their little boy. What do I do? Oh. Oh. Now, Emma, you have rules around dating separated men. Is this correct? Yeah. What you what really need rules? to do, listeners, is try not to be their <laughs> first relationship. If they've split up with somebody, like, just try not to be that first one. Like, you need to give them a good 18 months, I think, to, like, let the thing dust settle, let them get in a good place. That oh, would be hi. my rule. And also, I, to be honest... Don't date a man who's not divorced. Don't date a man who bitches about his ex-wife. I think that's actually. I mean, I could really go on, rule. but maybe yeah. I'll stop now. <laughs> <laughs> what about if somebody approached you on Facebook saying the man you dated was still seeing their ex? What would you do? I think you've got to have a conversation about it. But I think it's mm. a it's a very weird thing. I think I think divorces are are harder than perhaps just a, a you know a non marriage breaking up because I think there's a lot of expectations for longevity in that and I think there's you know um I say like bigger broken hearts there's, if there's children involved it's really hard and I think you know as a as an ex-wife how do you cope with that with your husband leaving if it's not been your decision so I I just think these dynamics are super tricky and you mm-hmm. just have to like have really open conversations about it mm-hmm. but that would be a, a re- massive red flag for me if his wife got in contact with me via Facebook. Well, mm-hmm. Mika, what would you would you listen to her or would you talk it out with him? Well it sounds like it's that she's in you know a three and I think threes are very, very difficult mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. information can get fed around the triangle. So I think yeah Emma's suggestion about being really open would be great. Um I don't know. I, I don't want to argue with you, but I think every situation is very, mm. very different. And no, I argue think, with her. Argue. Uh, argue. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know. I, I think I used to think quite black and white and had really strong rules around what is okay and what's not okay. And and as I've got older, I've had to soften them a bit. Um, I think that that is also secondhand information from the wife. So. Um, uh, I think, you know, when I get second-hand information so-and-so has said or, or I, I don't always trust it, I think the most important Great thing point. is to clear up because she's saying something without it being complicit with the other party that's involved. So I'd get that that cleared up. But that might open a can of worms, you know. Mm. It's scary because if you love someone, you don't want to lose them. But I think you can't bend yourself. If you bend yourself in order to not lose someone because you're scared of the truth mm. it, it's not going to work out anyway. No, that's very good. It's always tricky though with divorce especially if there's kids because that ex is constantly going to be in their life where normally you split up with someone you perhaps don't have any contact with them for a long time before you're yeah. friends again. So I think there's you know, for a long time that dynamic's really hard and I have dated guys who've been divorced and it is a really tricky really tricky dynamic so I do feel for her. 
I think, Nat, what what would you say? Would you just be out of here? It, it's everything that you guys said already. But the, the challenge is, is that in this relationship, there is a child involved. If you're planning on staying with him... Um, this wife has already set the tone for what your dynamic will be. So beyond your relationship with this guy, you're going to have to have a relationship some way, shape or form with the wife. And if she's if she's in her mind has said, you know, we're getting back together and they don't and you guys stay together, she's going to have it in mind that you took him from her. That is just messy as hell. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. I think I would say this is a relationship to hold very lightly. Hold it lightly mm. and just see where it goes. Yeah. I wouldn't put, you know, don't put your whole heart and soul into this until you totally know where he is. Keep your own life, keep your own things, look after yourself first and just enjoy it. Just enjoy the relationship with him, but hold it very lightly. Watch his behaviour very closely. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not quite holding it lightly, but <laughs> Straight stalk. <laughs> Emma, what is the problem you've got this week? So this one's come from Stephanie via our Facebook page. Stephanie says, I'm leaving my uh, managerial role, but the replacement is one of my team who are going to step up. As I was on a um, three-month resignation notice, this person has now started to step into that role, but they're already making some changes. I'm starting to feel a bit upset about this. And my main concern is what if she makes changes that are better than what I was doing? I find this so difficult because there is that weird period when you resign from something and you resign from a role and the organisation around you kind of goes, okay, well, you've checked out now, so we're just going to make decisions based on the fact that you're no longer here. But you're still there and you're like, oh. But here's the thing. When you walk out the door, you will not care. Mm. You really won't. No matter how much you love that organisation, no matter how much you want them to flourish, no matter how proud you are of what you've achieved there, There is something about closing the door on your final day. It cuts the cord. Mm. That's what I think. I I would definitely be like, okay, what is she doing? Because a fresh perspective on Mm. a a situation. Mm. And I would be like, just put your ego aside just for a bit and go, actually, what's she going to implement? What can I learn from this that I can then take into my new role and perhaps do something (laughs) even better than I thought I was going to do there? So, yeah, yeah, I'd be a lot more stealthy about it. Drop the ego. That's the first thing. Just Mm. remove ego because you might be doing something that is is worthwhile and valid. You're leaving. Who cares? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if it's really Mm -hmm. bothering you that much, ask to go on guard leave just ask to leave early yeah, yeah. Mm. and also like enjoy this period before you leave right like mm. nobody cares what you're doing yeah but three nobody months cares. resignation time is oh it's dull isn't it it, it is, is dull. dull it's very hard work very yeah. hard work Mika would you care would you cut her down and say no still my job or would you just walk <laughs> out the door <laughs> I don't know it's a tricky situation isn't it it's sort of that it sounds like the listeners are um, a bit paranoid about her own so her self-esteem's not mm. that good I'd, I'd go and look at work on her own self-esteem mm. actually mm. and um and and like you said um actually be supportive and and put a, a, a kind of it's gonna sound really harsh but try not to be self-centered and yep. as emma was saying like put the folk put drop the ego and but I would look, at, I'd say deeper look at one's self-esteem because I'm yeah. sure she did an amazing job. And as you said, fresh blood can be really good. So it's the self-esteem that yeah. needs to be worked on. There's a great, great book point. called The Ego is the Enemy. Oh, yes. It's very worth a read. Have you read it, me? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really interesting. But yeah, ego, put your ego aside. It makes the world a much better place. Yeah. <laughs> tell that to what that, that Yeah, okay. And <laughs> <laughs> um, finally, Nat, what is your problem this week? Uh, so this comes from, I don't want to share my name on Twitter. Uh, I'm thinking about going away alone for Christmas. Is this a good idea? I know you guys travel alone a lot, uh, but have you done it over a holiday? I love my family, but Christmas always ends up in an argument. My mum telling me that I need to sort my life out. She says she's put in, in brackets. I'm single, but six successful at work and my sister reverting to being a child and getting at me for no reason help (laughs) Mika you were just talking about Christmas about kind of that idea about we have all these preconceptions Mm. about what Christmas should be like Mm. do we need to let go of them a bit yeah for sure I mean but there's just an enormous pressure around it it's just a day Um, but I mean I don't know anyone so it's really interesting you know I haven't had children yet hopefully I'll get to have one but I'm I'm on my own this Christmas yeah. and I'm just trying to work out plans with friends and loved ones um, it's not that easy this year 
But I also sat next to a, a woman at dinner last week who's got her parents living next door and she's a, a mum, so she's got the things that I don't have and she's equally as traumatised. <laughs> it's just, I don't... It's, it's almost the same as we were saying before about the ego. It's like Christmas has got a massive ego yeah. and everyone's egos get... And it's a time of expectations and disappointments. Um, we yeah. rose tint everything, though, don't we? Like you say, it's like, you know, if, you, if you're not doing much at Christmas, you look at the people who are all with their families and then actually if you were actually there on that day all the old family dynamics come back in and yeah, yeah. I mean I, did, I had Christmas alone once and I did volunteer work I went mm. and helped kids company who are unfortunately no more uh, and I spent the day helping all their families they do a big Christmas party and I I really loved that actually mm. it made the day really good even though everyone else was doing their st- their things and there's so many charities that need support on Christmas day so that mm. might be something to look at. So one of the things I was going to ask about that is how did you have that conversation with your parents where you said actually this year I'm going to go and do my own thing uh, well I didn't they just had a conversation <laughs> with me they'd already planned to uh, go to Australia to see my sister <laughs> they were like bye I was like, oh, okay. so there wasn't really a conversation so because I sometimes think about this because my so my birthday is on New Year's Eve everyone please note Aww. that date um, so my birthday is on New Year's Eve and sometimes I think it'd just be really nice to go away for New Year's Eve but not just go away for New Year's Eve you actually kind of have to go away for the Christmas period because nobody will let you have a house just for one night mm-hmm flights are ridiculously expensive all this type of thing um my mum always says to me she's always like time if you want to go away for christmas it really doesn't matter you know feel free to go and i feel such guilt mm. at leaving my parents at leaving you know my parents separate leaving my mother on christmas my dad on boxing day and not being there and i can never quite do it and so i really feel for this for this reader because i just there is something about wanting that time for yourself not wanting the expectations around it not wanting the pressure but also the fear that you're letting other people down if you do it yeah but then you can't live your life like that you can't but it's one day a year so you could live your life like that 364 days a year <laughs> but then i would but then i would say is one day a year is it is it that important is it that important to be there on christmas yeah don't know great question is it that important to one be there year on one year you can be selfish i think if she wants to do it for one year she should just say this is what i'm doing this year yeah but I would say, if you are planning on doing it, just FYI, flights are really expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you fly on, on Boxing... If you fly Boxing mm. Day, Christmas Day, you can mm. get a really good deal. No. People no. say this. Not I have, always. I fly, I, no. So at the point where my granddad allowed me to not be there for Christmas, because that, that's who I spend Christmas with, I was like, bye! <laughs> so I have done four Christmases el- elsewhere. And that Christmas Day, that Boxing Day flight, they're hor- as in they're, they're not fun flight as in you are flying at the point when everyone else is breaking open you know the, yeah. cri- the crackers and stuff yeah. um and then flying back on new year's eve it, you, there are some good deals to be had and i've gone to miami i've gone to sweden so I've, I've, you know far and wide and so how do you manage that kind of i'm out of here see you later i just had, nice? a, I had a, uh, yeah i had a conversation with him and it's like you know you only have one life and as soon as he said that i was like right let's Bye. get online and start looking, <laughs> looking for that and i go to places where i potentially have friends or family close by but i don't have to stay with them or i fly out Great with some tip. friends and then we all separate and do our own thing uh but it is nice waking up and feeling the heat on your skin on a, on and knowing that it's christmas mm. and mm. you see pictures of home and it's gray i mean you can't mm. beat that but make sure that you're going to something that doesn't end up as as a horrendous experience because it will put you off traveling at christmas alone for life mm. okay well let us know how you get on do tweet us at badass women's at hr at badass women's tell us what your christmas plans are what are you doing are you going to be with family are you jetting off somewhere exciting come and tell us uh we have to say a big thank you to mika simmons of the lady garden campaign for joining Woo! us uh, thank you for having me important um, work if any of that conversation that we were talking about earlier about gynecological cancer has resonated for you do go check out the Lady Garden Campaign website or Cancer Research UK or the Marsden. Lots and lots of information there. Uh, lots of help and advice. And also, go get a smear test. Mm. That is our wisdom for you. Uh, stay tuned because coming up next we have our backdated badass, a woman from history that you absolutely need to know about. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter. I'm joined by my co-host Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. And it's the final section of our show, the section where we talk about a backdated badass, a woman from history that you really need to know about. Uh, this week's is brought to us by the amazing Harry Hall, head of digital features at Stylist Magazine, and also a woman with an amazing book. We're just going to give a little plug. She, It's called She, A Celebration of Renegade Women, and it's a love letter to all the women who've thrown out the rule book and released the status quo. And you can see why we get Harry to do our backstage <laughs> badass, because she knows all the best ones. <laughs> hey, Harry! Hi! <laughs> Hello. Uh, so tell us, who are you talking about this week? Well, first of all, thank you for my book plug. <laughs> Always. <laughs> um, I want to talk about uh, fashion designer Claire McArdle today. Um, she's one of the most influential American designers of the 1930s and 40s, um, and she's credited with the creation of American sportswear. Mm. And as with all our badass, um, backdated badasses, um, she was completely, um, you know, many people won't know who she is today. So I think we should talk about her. Fantastic. And so she said she was cre- she credited with the creation of American sportswear. What sort of things was she designing? Yeah, um, well, you know, sportswear, I think when people hear the word, they think um, Arsenal kits and <laughs> golfing attire. Um, but actually what she was doing was creating clothes that many of which we wear today. So most of what we wear are casual styles, are kind of loose jeans and jumpers and crew neck T-shirts. That's all classified as um, sportswear. Um, so, so that's what I think we need to keep in mind when we think of Claire McArdle. It's actually creating the kind of casual clothes that we wear today. In addition, also, I, I was looking through um, some photos on, on Pinterest and others of, of her work and, you know, beautiful beachwear that I feel like you know, we would be charged hundreds of pounds to wear now. And there were some outfits and I was like, I'm sure I've just seen that in COS, but I would have never made <laughs> the connection in terms, obviously it was in, this work has been inspired by, by her and not knowing about her given how much she has influenced is, is amazing because I I think um, in my mind, I'm a bit of a fashion heathen. I, I would credit, mm-hmm. say, a Ralph Lauren with sort of, you know, reinventing sort of sportswear or or, ca- or casual wear yeah, in I the US. I went yeah. straight to a man. Um, so to know that she's she was doing this in the 30s and 40s is amazing. Where did she study? Tell us more about how she got into fashion. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, Nat, what you've just said is exactly what's so interesting about her is that she was creating these clothes that were affordable and um, wearable, and many of of which we still see today. Um, She actually studied in Parsons School of Design in New York. um, And where she was studying, she was really inspired by the work of a French fashion designer called Madeleine Viennet. Um, And what Viennet was doing was cutting garments on the bias. Mm. Um, So it was a different way of cutting fabric. And she created these really loose, um, very simple, beautiful designs. And that inspired Claire McArdle um, to create her own simple clothes. But it wasn't until the Great Depression that she actually started to kind of hone her sartorial style. Um, And what happened was, 
at the time, American fashion was all imported from, Fr- from France. Um, so if you think of that today, it's really weird. Um, really weird thing that happened is basically Paris was kind of this epicenter of design. Mm. So you would you would get the French couture and you would bring it over to America, and that would either be sold to the um, really rich patrons or or copied and um, sold in sold in shops um, for a cheaper price. But during the Great Depression, what happened is um, there was a massive hike in um, customs duties. And so the country started looking to indigenous talent to sort of bring money back to the country. And that's where Claire McArdle came in with her kind of clever and cheaper designs that were really, um, you know, democratic. So I'm laugh- I was laughing to myself. I've got a note here that says she pioneered matching separates. I can't imagine a world without <laughs> matching separates. But obviously back then, you know, this, this was revolutionary. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, all of the things that she did were really revolutionary. Um, so, you know, there were kind of three main things which I'd say she, she contributed to fashion and all of them were just enormous. Um, the first one was her use of fastenings. Um, and at the time, so after the Great Depression, obviously we had um, the Second World War and at the time fabric rationing included things like zips and belts. Mm-hmm. Um, so McArdle created these ingenious little alternatives to those. She would fasten garments with little hooks um, and use strips of spare fabric as, as waist ties and drawstrings. Um, and then um, one of the things that uh, you just mentioned that was um, separate, um, which is one of her most kind of important contributions to the fashion history um, sort of canon because you know, women were wearing dresses and coats and you would have to buy so many dresses to, so that you could wash them and not repeat outfits and all that kind of thing. Um, but when McArdle created separate, she created these kind of, you know, tops and skirts and, and trousers and jackets that you could mix and match. Um, they were washable. They were, you know, so you, you, what you've got was kind of multiple outfits mm. out of just a few garments like we wear today. I love um, how she's used... Sorry. Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry, Harry. I was just going to say, I love how she's used kind of almost like problems, like, you know, the rationing of like zips and belts to to be inspired and innov- innovative mm. and recreate how clothing could be worn. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, she's absolutely a problem solver. You know, when people say at work, they do that whole kind of give me, you know, solutions, not problems. <laughs> that old that old chestnut. Um, you know, Claire McArdle was absolutely that. She just created um, solutions everywhere. Um, the third thing that she did that was really interesting was kind of this idea of appropriating, reappropriating fabrics um, that weren't perhaps used for day wear. So it's crazy to think now, but um, denim, for example, she turned denim into something that could be worn as a dress, um, where denim was previously just for workwear, um, you know, on a ranch or something. She made denim dresses, she appropriated mattress ticking um, and fleece, and these fabrics that were kind of cheap and available, they weren't limited by rationing, you know, became became part of our day wear. Um, And she also did the same with um, particular garments. So... um, one of the things that I thought was so clever about what she did was she got around rationing in the most intelligent um, sort of kind of really, really clever way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, so dancewear was not limited by rationing because it was considered workwear. <laughs> um, so what she did is she made ballet flats into a into a trend, which is ah, which is amazing. Um, amazing. And she made leotards into a trend as well. So, yeah, she she really... It's hard to imagine a time when these were not standard fashion items. Um, and Mercado has absolutely not been credited enough for, for all the things that she did. I'm and glad Harry... leotards didn't stay as a trend. <laughs> <laughs> Harry, why do you think um, she's not a household name today? Well, you know, that's really interesting, Harry. And that is something that I think we, we ask about all women from history that haven't been remembered. Um, and I, I think particularly with Mercado, the reason that she's been forgotten is because what she was creating wasn't this kind of ostentatious, elaborate, beautiful kind of Dior-style stuff. She was creating classic, basic clothes that just go into a whole wardrobe. Um, and actually, um, because it was wartime, it was um, because when she was uh, when she was designing in the 1930s and 40s was a time of austerity. I think perhaps she was lost because she was associated with that time. But actually, just as um, Nat mentioned, she went on to influence designers like Ralph Lauren and Donna Karen and Calvin Klein, you know, these massive 
American names who are known yeah. for sportswear today and actually derive their styles from Mercado. Amazing. She sounds like an absolute badass and we loved hearing more about her. Thank yes. you so much, Harry. Thank you so much. Everyone go and Google Claire Mercado now. <laughs> <laughs> so we're nearly at the end of the show, but as ever, we like to leave you with a little something to live your life by for the next seven days. It's our badass principle of the week. Nat, what is it this week? Our badass principle this week is, I'm breaking the rules, I'm adding an extra word. Oh, so it's all right when you want to do it, isn't it? It's silent no more. And I've taken that from the Lady Garden campaign. We've just had Mika Simmons on. Um, and what, on one of their strap lines is, together we can make these cancers silent no more. So that's the, the badass principle this week. And it's a, a push for women to go and get checked. It's a push for women to... You know, understand the facts. There are five types of gynecological cancers. Um, there isn't enough research being done. So, you know, if we've got a few pennies at the bottom of the purse, that's where we can donate it. But talk about it. Let's just talk mm-hmm. about our bodies and our vaginas. Mm-hmm. Nice. Emma, what's it for you? Well, I think we need. We don't look at our vaginas. Like, do we ever get told to look at our vaginas? So I think maybe. Let's have a look at them a bit more. Get a hand mirror Pay a bit out. more attention. Yeah. You, in the old days, like... it had to be a hand mirror. Now you can do it with your phone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <Selfie>. <laughs> yeah, a totally a new kind of selfie. Mm, yeah. That can all go wrong. Mm, don't send it to us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and for me, I think it's about um, remembering the stuff that actually I sort of go, oh, okay, and just let it go. As, and then really talking about that and being like, no, I'm not going to let that one go today. Mm. I'm going to put it out there and tell people about it. Um, so that is our badass principle of the week but if you want to talk to us during the week if you don't want to be silent if you want to talk to us we love to talk to you so please come find us on Twitter at Badass Women's Hour HR at Badass Women's Hour or Instagram, Facebook all the socials um, or on our website badasswomenshour.com you can sign up we have a little mail out that we occasionally do it's not a regular thing but if you want to <laughs> you hear from us you know we love to hear from you um, and of course you can come talk to us individually come find me at Harriet Minter Nat at Nat Matty Campbell and Emma at Emma Sexton and we'll be here again same time same place with the Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio coming up next we have Dr Pam Spur talking all things sex and relationships so stay tuned for that across the UK online and on DAB <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio she'll get you talking even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.